You're now listening to Vices and Vultures, a podcast on cultures. What's going on, everybody? This is A2. And on Fridays, we'll feature regular guests who will share the cultures that they're passionate about. I will let our second guest now introduce himself and the conversation we are going to get into. Hey, this is Bill, and I'm a coffee enthusiast. You're about to listen to part two of a podcast about becoming a home barista with our special guest, Orlando. Enjoy. Welcome, Orlando. Thank you so much for taking the time, my man. Thank you for having me. Yes. So, yes, sir. <clears throat> so this is part uh, two of our conversation on being a home barista. And the two people that come to mind are right here with me, uh, Bill and Orlando. So last week we had a conversation about um, the kind of gear that you should put in. And Bill talked about how um, you don't need to break the bank in order to have something decent. But, you know, there is a price point for having some good uh, apparatus for making coffee at home. So yes. what do you use at home uh, to make your coffee in the morning, Lando? What's your routine? Well, it depends on the mood I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I pretty much have the holy trinity of coffee gear. So I have a French press, I have a siphon, I have a pour-over system, like a Kalita Wave, I have a Chemex, I have an espresso machine, you name it. I have a narrow press, you name it, I have it. So, it depends. If I'm in a rush rush, I'll use the mocha pot, which is like traditional, you know, you dump any coffee in there, put water in there in like two and a half minutes, you got coffee, you know? Right. Um, you really don't have to man it, you sort of kind of, if you want to be a geek about it, but... As long as you hear the little, <laughs> in the Spanish word, that means it's done, you know? Right. Uh, that's stovetop. So for yeah, people that may not be familiar, yeah. that's actually the birthplace of my introduction to coffee is my father made coffee through a mocha pot when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And if anyone's ever smelled the coffee that emanates from a mocha pot, it's pretty intoxicating. Yeah, that's how it started for me too. Like you'll be sleeping, but you just smell like mm-hmm. that kind of brewing in the background. Yeah. Even though it's like the worst coffee ever, and it's like burnt, but it's just like it hits the heart, you know. Yeah, right, a very nostalgic smell is so obviously so important in coffee, and that's so true for for the Bustelo because I hear a lot about that um, in people's childhood. So, um, so that's when you're in a rush, rush. What about when you have more time? When I have more time, I definitely find that espresso machine. You okay. Know? Because that takes a little bit more diving in, you know. You gotta have patience with it. You can't really rush that. And if you do, it's noticeable, you know. Unless you have, like, a super automated system that kind of, like, finesses everything for you. But if you have, like, a semi-manual one, you know, which is, like, maybe, like, the dosing is automatic, but then, like, the tamping of of um, the coffee and then, like, how much pressure you apply to it, all that can... Um, contributes to like you know how the espresso shot is going to come out and then also if you have milk then you got to finish the, the the steaming of the milk too you know right if it's too frothy then you got like that old school cappuccino that italian style but if you want to have that contemporary one you know you got to make sure that microphone is on point right but again you can't rush so that takes more time so i say that takes me probably like 15 minutes to do you know plus you gotta warm up the machine on top of that so yeah it's a lot it's like rocket science Word, word. You're very well versed in it. Tell me about your background with this. Like, did you work in industry at all, or are you just kind of like picked it up from friends? So I picked it up just by myself. Um, 
started with the mocha pot, and then I got more curious, and I was like, you know what? I went, uh, so I started with Starbucks, and then Starbucks would have, like, you know, that big wall with a lot of, like, coffee gear. It's like, oh, let me look up all this cool stuff. So the French press is, like, the first thing that's there. So I'm pretty sure everybody gets into coffee with the French press, eventually, two specialty coffee, you know? And then you're like, all right, so then you buy your coffee and your French press, and you just, like, hand jam, right? And that's what I did. I used to overbrew French press past four minutes all the time oh. on fine grind, not even on course, right? <laughs> so it was like drinking lava. Then eventually that led into, like, all right, let me get up the AeroPress, you know, because that's, like, kind of, like, in quote, geeking out. And starting that conversation of like you know finding a good coffee to brew in there, and that's the, you know you have temperature control if you want, but not necessarily needed. Um, um, and then you also have to control time and grind size. So those those factors contribute to a good cup of coffee. And then eventually, and that's to the Chemex. The Chemex led into the siphon. The siphon led into the pour overs. And then the next thing you know, I'm like, you know what? I'm buying an espresso machine. Because after you have all the pour-overs, you know, the drip coffees and all that stuff, the next thing is espresso because you can really, like, super, super get into it. You know, origin, grind size, what type of machine you have, what type of porter filter you have. Right. All that contributes to how um, how the espresso comes out. But that's how I started. Oh, and, uh, and then I, since I was, like, self-taught from YouTube and through friends of being in the coffee industry, then I landed a job. Um like a year and a half ago, well, two years actually, in a coffee shop inside the World Trade Center, 64th floor. And then I learned everything, like how to like open the shop, how to close, how to mess with the big machines there. Definitely a culture shock when you go from like a one pump steam wand to like a double boiler industrial machine that's blowing out like rocket steam in like less than two seconds and the milk is gets home really fast and I was like oh damn so it took me a while to get used to that but I got used to it and I finished it so it made me a better home barista and then after that that was it I got out, I got, I got out that job in probably like less than four months because you can only learn so much as a barista some people enjoy that type of work but I did it I was like I'm out how, how much more steaming milk can you do how much more dying in can you learn like there's always stuff that comes out that's new in the industry every year but it's just like all right at the end of the day it's the same thing and now everything's going probably automated because when you have a line going out the door you kind of like don't have time to be finessing every single shot or steaming the milk perfectly you're gonna half-ass everything you're gonna just like you know instead of giving a full double shot guess what you have a line single shots everybody's gonna get single shots now because you gotta bring out the money, you know? You got you got cups to serve. But you have all the receipts and all those cups piling up on the side. Everybody's looking at you like <laughs> Right. <laughs> like Oh I, I I want an almond milk. I want a half and half. Oh, do you have I need this, I need that, so Yeah. Yeah. So, so that was a progression. So yeah, that was my progression and I was like, I I was just I, I mean, I think I was just ready for management at that point, but then in the coffee world to get into management, that's a whole different thing, you know? Right. From going from bar to cashier to management. Now you have to deal with inventory, you got to deal with customer service most of the time. I know as a barista, you are the, the front line, but behind the scenes, you know, if somebody has a complaint or like somebody got food poisoning because the meal was expired, that falls on you now, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Word. You know, so there's more to it. 
There's a lot more to it. So you mentioned something interesting about the customer service aspect and how um, you said it might be going automated soon or it like it will be or it might just. Oh, it is. Yeah. It is. It's a wrap. Um, and, and that's the thing, like in the coffee world, you have like these like coffee superheroes are like, no, that's not the right way to do coffee. But they want that. Eventually, they're not going to have a choice. It's going to be pushing a button to do right. Because coffee is mostly about interaction, and then the the coffee service mostly like the middle ground. Like, hey, you know, well, what keeps you from like having that person to go away into their job or whatever? You know, they're waiting, so you have to, you know, fill in the gap by talking or yeah. asking questions. You know, it's social, now, just like wine is. Yeah, but now people want convenience. So guess what? Wine, you just pop the bottle and you drink it. You can drink it by yourself. You don't need a barista to. Or like uh, what they call those guys in, in the wine world? Sommelier. Sommelier. Yeah, sommelier. Just, yeah. You know, he's gonna tell you like, well, it's subjective at the end of the day too. Is wine, you know? Yep, very much so. So. But the coffee world is definitely going, one hundred percent automated. Right. My machine's semi-automated. You know, yeah. if I had to like, you know, see a pressure gauge to see that my steam, I mean my um, my boiler was up to temperature, and then I had to like, you know, pump like none of that stuff is around. Now it's just doop, wait five seconds. The pump is ready to go. Grind your coffee. Doom, doom, doom. You're out in less than 10 minutes. Word. No, I feel that. So, like, the conversation about progression, Bill, what do you think as far as what you've seen? Like, um, is there anything that you invested in that has some of that process? Um, for me, no. Automation, I mean, it, that's something that gets into the cafe world. I don't think home baristas, it, it's not as clear as an argument because at home, you're already automated, most coffee drinkers. You're making a drip pop. Most people aren't making pour-overs at home. Most people aren't pulling espresso shots at home. Right. Most people are just using their drip pop. What you've seen in that world is you've seen in things like a mocha master that is now making drip coffee like a pour-over, mm-hmm. but it's automated. You know, you see yeah. that. But in general, I mean, you're talking about a very small percentage of people getting into the automated world. At home, for me, it's always been pour-overs. It'll always be pour-overs mm-hmm. just because I genuinely like the taste and feel like it tastes better than batch brew. I don't drink a lot of espresso. Um, honestly, I don't. the reason I don't have an espresso machine is because if I did, I'd never visit a shop again. <laughs> in all honesty i would just order coffee and drink at home so every now and again when i'm like ah, maybe i'll go get a cortado it's an excuse for me to step out of my kitchen and go to a local shop or whatever otherwise it's just getting bags of coffee because honestly i haven't met too many baristas that make a better pour-over than me so yeah why pay for it <laughs> you know, like when yeah. i know i can do it myself exactly that's what it comes um, that's what it comes down to but he's 100 yeah, percent yeah. And if you go to a shop, they'll look at you like, wait, you want a pullover? Yeah. Here comes a guy with the pullover. Let's stop everything for this one guy. You know? Right, which is which is really sadly common these days. You go into a shop and it's just so busy that a pour-over is not an option. All the apparatus is there, but they're too busy. So they got their batch beer. Here's your mug. See you later. And for, again, for a lot of people, that's no big deal. Word. Yeah. You know, I'm not your average customer. Orlando wouldn't be the average customer. We're the exception to the norm. Mm-hmm. Most coffee shops don't care about us. Yep. The only way that coffee shops care about us is they want us to take a bag home. Yep. Because that's where they're going to get their promotion. Here's a guy who really drinks coffee. He's going to take it home and make it an espresso, make it as a pour over, post on Instagram or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's all a shop cares about with people like us. But 
most of the people online are just, you know, they're getting their mug of coffee and they're dumping milk and sugar yeah. and... Yeah, which was what we talked about. We talked about um, how coffee is all really based on preference. And, um, yeah. and like, I love how with your particular style of home baristaing, you have options for what you do. And, you know, Bill sticks to what he knows. So there's, like, a beauty in preference and that type yeah, of thing. Yeah, for sure. So um, talk more about um, your your expedited process, like, when you're in a rush. Talk about, like, what you have and, like, what are the, um, uh, like, the the price range for it and that type of thing for those who are listening who want to be like i want what he has like he's on the go that type of thing uh what do you use again just to rehash it i mean like the the mocha pot starting with the mocha pot it probably goes for like you can go to marshall's or or tj maxx you can find like a decent mocha pot probably for like 15 to like 40 dollars probably the most expensive but I probably it's coming like with like bells and whistles like you know it's probably painted pink it has a wood handle it's trendy and you just like oh i'm paying 40 bucks so that's cool but then the one that's silver with the black handle does the same job it's just the diamond you know right um but now the only thing is with that is that you know again you gotta get fine grind for that like whatever like comes from like your local grocery store and it's not gonna be as good you know but that's just quick, easy, mm-hmm. stove top espresso is what they call it. Um, it's cool. It's traditional. It's Italian. Most people think it's Italian, but everybody does it. Um, but then most of the time I'll go like with a French press, you know, because the French press is like, it needs to be right in the middle. It's like fast, but it's specialty at the same time, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, it's, it's dummy proof. What you got to do is get like what sea salt course. Like the coffee is like that, you grind it like that, and then you just dump it in there. I just do 30 grams, so 300 um, grams of water. Dump it in, make sure to bring the water to a boil. I have a kettle from Bonavita, right? Yeah, that is it? Yeah, correct. Bonavita. Yeah, I got a gooseneck. Yeah, I nerd out. I got a Bonavita <laughs> gooseneck kettle. It's one of the fancy ones. Not the one with the temperature control. Um, I let the I bring the while I'm in the shower I let the water come to a boil and, I, and if it's done I just put it one more time and that's it and then after it turns off I wait like 30 seconds to a minute so the temperature could drop and I throw it inside the, the French press sometimes I do it with a scale sometimes I don't um, but usually you know like I have a 12 ounce French press so it's just like you know one serving yeah. but if you have like a 5 cup one maybe you might need a scale to finesse that because um, then you have like water ratio because you fill it to the top it's going to dilute too much but if you have the one that's just for one person then you're fine but that's where I go with, with my and now my French press you can find a little personal one you can find that in TJ Maxx Marshall's easy 8 bucks or 5 depending <laughs> on which one I like the glass ones better because I feel like they hold temperature better mm-hmm. you know and uh, um, and that's the price range so that's how you can start and, then, and then from there if you really want to be quick about it, AeroPress. You know, that's just it's so easy. The steps, once you learn the steps, in like two and a half minutes, you have a good cup of coffee. It depends. If you want it super fresh, you grind the beans right before you brew the coffee, or you just get everything pre-ground. Word. Again, it's preference at the end of the day, and that's the beauty about coffee. It's like you could be like super tight about it, or you could be super flexible. Me, I'm just flexible because I like to taste the range. Because let's say, for example, he likes pour-overs, you know, 
and then he's talking to the espresso guy. He's like, Nah, bro, I don't like pourers. That's like, not my thing. <laughs> then he could be like, Nah, bro, I don't like espresso because you're too nerdy about it. You care about, you know, how much caffeine, you know, is per dose, blah blah. Nah, man. You know, I like everything, so I relate to everybody. You know. And I, the higher you go, I mean, when you go in the espresso route, it's obviously going to cost more money because you need. You need a tank, you need a machine to do that. Yeah. Traditional stuff, you just need a vessel with some filters. And you can get creative too. You can do it with a napkin if you want to get crazy, you know. French press with a napkin, portable with a napkin, bounty, you know, maybe the one from Target. <laughs> I love it, man. Yo, this is, this is what this is all about. We're unpacking details and like, you know, like this, this is pragmatic more than anything else. Let's talk about, um, let's end by talking about, uh, the, the type of coffee now. We talked a lot about machines and stuff. Let's talk about the types of coffee that you're really into. Cool. Like, what, what, what beans you got at the house right now? Oh, right now? I got heart coffee roasters. And I think I have a... Like, damn. I'm going to go look at the bag. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I thought I knew about heart. I got it from Counterculture. I mean, I'm from Culture Espresso on 38th Street. Home of the best cookies. Oh my god, those are two cooks to die for. <laughs> so what I have here, I have the stereo blend. It's plum molasses vanilla. It's like Kenya, 50% Kenya, and a 50% Honduras. Yeah. So it's not bad. It's tight. It hits hard. Like in espresso right now, you can taste the plum a lot. Yeah, hard. Kind of sour. Hearts uh, yeah, but- from Portland. And yeah. They are kind of like counterculture in a way. You, their wholesale program is really big. Like, you can find hard across the country. For sure. Yeah. Good stuff. But they're, but they're good stuff, you know? Like, no matter where you go, they're consistent. Yep. The coffee tastes the same. Um, and that kind of culture, like, they have a lot of accounts across the country. But if you had good kind of culture coffee when they brew it right, and you go somewhere else, and, like, we serve kind of culture, you know? Yep. Let's say MTA. Let's say MTA was serving... Um, the Metropolitan Transit Association was, was serving coffee and they're like yeah we got kind of culture but they're like this is not kind of culture yeah. you know because the kind of culture has like they have their standard like if you open up a shop like this is what you gotta serve as espresso this is what you're gonna serve as drink and we're gonna train you to serve espresso like this, this is, if, you, if you're probably gonna say something like this you're doing something wrong so you gotta fix it because that's a standard for kind of culture coffee yeah and if it's on drip same thing and be surprised, man. Some people, it's so easy to brew that coffee, but some people just mess it up. I'm like, you know, and then that could be your bad coffee experience. Like, oh, I don't like coffee because it tastes like crap. You true. know? Yeah, yeah. That's that's something that I run into all the time. You know, people, I tell them about a company, you know, a roaster that they should check out, and then they have it at like a bakery, and it's just batch brew that's no, made at like oh, eight in the morning, no. and it's sitting there for hours, and they're like, "It was so bad," and I'm like, "No, that's not really the right way no. to have that." Right. <laughs> like coffee shouldn't be sitting more than an hour. Yeah. But going back to taste notes, I'm, I lean more when it comes to espresso stuff in the winter. Again, because I go with the vibes. If it's winter, I like my more nutty, chocolatey notes. You know, Brazilian coffees. Ethiopians, Indonesian coffees are good too. You know, um, Colombians are more. They tend to be more to the fruity side, so I like them more undrip. You know, like pour over a French press. That's what you're drinking, by the way. 
You're drinking a pink bourbon Colombian right now. All right. Yeah. Thank you for that annotation because I was actually going to talk about what I was drinking. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. Keep going, Orlando. I'm listening. You're just vibing. Yeah. And then, and then sometimes, like, you know, different coffee companies that have different blends. So sometimes that's fun. They'll probably, like, mix two wild coffees together and then you'd be like, whoa, I never tasted this before. Of course, everybody geeks out about the Geisha. Geisha had his wave. Not no more. Geisha died. Died hard. It's still around. Like, people are like, yo, my God, that's a Geisha. Oh, my God. From Colombia? Definitely. Let's pay, like, $38 for, like, an ounce. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then it, you have it, you have it, you brew it, and if you make it on Chemex, it's like you're drinking tea. It's like, whoa. It's, you know, super clean. But then you know, it's like you drop a, a like one coffee bean, and it's like, oh, there goes thirty eight dollars. Right, exactly. <laughs> did you but ever it, did you ever purchase Geisha then? Oh, for sure. I definitely from Devotion too. Mm. You know what? Actually, not even, I didn't even buy it because I had to plug. I knew the roaster. He was like, "Yo, here, here's some Geisha." Oh wow! In the back. So, I had like a bag like this for the So you really like enjoyed it then. <laughs> it tasted but, different because it was free. <laughs> We've all been yeah. there. But it was good. But then I bought some from from Joe's, um, from Joe's, from Joe's. You know Joe's. Joe's everywhere in New York City. Yeah. Right. Um, Joe Coffee Company. Joe Coffee. Yeah, and it wasn't the same. It tasted like cough medicine. I was like. Oh, <laughs> it was, Got some Robitussin it, blend. Is that what you said? Yeah. Oh. The cherry notes hit too hard. I was like, oh, no, honey. <laughs> so then I. I I just brewed it as like a as a French press and so kind of brought like that muddiness back because it was good shit was too clean. It's like it tastes like tea. Might as well drink tea, you know, drink passion fruit or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You talked about some shops. You talked about Joe uh, Devotion. Um, are there any other shops since we're here in New York and um, particularly thinking about shops that people would find in other areas like um, uh, coffee franchises? Really, uh, let's talk about like some places to <laughs> check out. NYC days. There was young for I mean in Manhattan. You know, um there was young. Counterculture doesn't really have they have the lab in Soho, but you can't really go in there. Can you go in there now? Do yeah, Friday mornings they do uh public cuppings. Oh, and... okay, okay. So yeah, counterculture, show some love. Um who else? Who else? Who else? La La Cologne, of course. They're consistent on their stuff. The shops, not the people who serve La Cologne um accounts because they don't know how to they don't know how to do it that hidden gem inside the highline hotel is, is intelencia they finesse they have the black cat espresso that joins on point all the time from california to new york that thing if if, if it's an intelli coffee shop they nail the shot all the time and the pour was a good too um the cool thing about the shop in New York, and I've been to I've been to one in Chicago, and I've been to one in L.A. The cool thing about the New York is they have the truck outside, so you go yeah. during the spring and the summer, and they actually have this old European bread truck that they converted into a mini shop. Mm. So you don't even have to technically go into the cafe; you just walk yeah, in. There's like a courtyard. Right there to the left, right? Yeah, it's, it's like really cool. So it's like a mini destination. Yeah, it's it's really awesome because you know there's lights out there and there's tables and it's just this truck just parked there. And they pop open the side and they make espresso and they, I think there's some drip options and whatnot. But it's just a cool kind of coffee experience. That's awesome. Yo, you went to Cali recently, Orlando, right? There were some cool shops that you were checking out there, like Neon, right? Yes. Yeah, I don't oh know, God. like, which places that you really found interesting. Uh, so, 
right now, it's, well, it depends where you're at on the map, right? Downtown LA, they got their typical, you know, big cafes. Like Cologne, you're going to find like Cologne there for sure. You're going to find, and Tally, you're going to have a couple shops. You're going to have, um, what's the, what's the other coffee shops? That's what it be. Um, Verve. Verb, you know, they were early in LA game yep. coffee scene. Um, but in LA, for sure, if you go to Silver Lake, there's like literally a whole strip where like Intelli is there, La Coloma is there, Dinosaur Coffee is there. Um, that whole strip, like you can just go on a coffee tour. Um, they have Day Glow, which is another coffee shop That's there. That's the shop right now. They just won a Sprudgy, I think, for being the best Day-Glo? shop. Yeah, I think so. Oh. I remember when they first opened, the guy that used to work in um, this coffee shop that was, like, in Fulton Street. It was, like, near the train. I forgot what, what was it called. But they changed owners, and then the coffee went, went to crap there. <laughs> but then he moved to L.A. with a little French bulldog <laughs> and his girlfriend. And then I remember when they first opened that shop. And yeah. then it became a thing, like, real fast. Yeah. But he cares a and, and if you go there, they brew the coffee really well because yeah. he cares. He's putting so much fun into that coffee. He's like, he, he might not know you. You walk in and you're like, oh, so what do you got today? He's like, well, Brow. it's like, you know how they open like the things in like movies? They have all the guns. He's like, well, this is what we got. I love it. But man. yeah, but in LA, it, it just depends where you're at. But Silver Lake definitely is hitting right now with the coffee scene. And then if you go to Venice, Manatis, Manatis is for sure. Um, um, Chris Baca, his friend, he manages Manatis, so the coffee's always good there. And then, believe it or not, Tom's, Tom's Coffee. Um, this is inside a Tom's store, like not too far from the beach. If you go to the Tom's store, they have a coffee shop there, and it's good, you know. And I always support them because for every bag of coffee you buy, they give water to like somebody who needs it around the, around the world. So that's always show love to Tom's. Yes, awesome. coffee with a purpose. Awesome. Yeah, I love causes like that for sure, man. Cool. Mm-hmm. We got a lot of nice little details in here, machines, destinations. I'm going to Nashville later on this week. Bill, what, what, where should where should I go in Nashville? Uh, barista parlor. Some. Yes. You know, oh, there's, my God. Nashville's really cool because there's a lot of great multi-roaster cafes where you can go try a lot of different coffees but barista parlor should definitely be a stop uh there's a company called sump that's really good that should also be a stop you know follow the foot traffic man it's everywhere there's just great coffee in nashville and probably right next to every venue you go to see music there's probably a coffee shop right next right. door <laughs> you'll talk to the barista be like hey what, what coffee shops you recommend yeah. right now there's a your friends with I think there's a place called, it, it opened recently, I think it's called The Falcon, which I think one of the guys from Breeze Parlor, left Breeze Parlor, went and opened his own, and it's one of the first fully sustainable coffee shops in the country, like one zero waste, 100%. Nice. Um, which is That's definitely, <laughs> which, is, which when you think about it is just completely bonkers. Um, that's so that's impressive. definitely something to look into as wow. well. <clears throat> wow, that would be really cool just to have a conversation with them. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> you said it's local yeah. or is it a chain? No, it's just one. I think it's a one-off. It right. Opened pretty recently, maybe even you know last year. Uh, I believe it's called the Falcon. Double check that, but yeah, it's definitely on my list of places to eventually go to. Yeah, man. No, I'm excited to check out. I'm gonna be there for like four days. 
So I'm really hype. Orlando, any last tips for the coffee lovers out there? If they're making something, if they're trying to check out a place to up their coffee tasting game, what you got? Yo, uh, taste everything. Taste it again. And mess up because that's how you learn from it. Like, if it says brew the coffee at four minutes, brew that shit for ten minutes to see what happens. So you can taste that dramatic difference, you know what I'm saying? If it says to... If it says to, you know, grind size seven, grind it at one, you know, so you can see all that, so you can see all that water, for, and that's how you know, it's like day and night, you see that, like, oh, this is what happens to it, you know? Right, trial and, and error. And then also, if you are in South of Canada, aka the Bronx, um, check out the Mouse Coffee Bar, it's a new cafe in the Bronx, it's like, it has, definitely has LA vibes, and they serve, um, sweet leaf coffee they're from the out of queens and they are all colombian coffee they're just like devotion but like different in a way you know but they're all colombian super good sweet leaf coffee too and green point is also good word no but it's so much it's so much if oh there's so people, much <laughs> or just hop on my instagram at orlando urena and you can see everything there too. that was a perfect segue i was about to get into that because it i remember i remember when we first met in the i remember when we first met and in, in, um it was over coffee and it was with a bunch of other barista friends and you know <clears throat> i noticed how like immediately you integrate coffee so seamlessly into your morning routine because you do a lifestyle thing you got yeah. the you got the barber thing going on right now looking um, that's how i'm merging those two yeah barbering and coffee words you know what it is i'm obsessed with process so like you know something that has to have a start and a finish and then you know it's just like steps and you can repeat that over and over and over again and it just it keeps getting better until it becomes muscle memory so if somebody slips up you're like oh, i know how to fix this even when the, you have the finished product you go always like disguise it for example if you make a crappy mocha pot coffee guess what you throw canela cinnamon and some nutmeg <laughs> that's it all the acidity goes away that's it <laughs> you know Wow, you know, Americans be like, this is, the, this is like from the Caribbean. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> I just brewed it over 10 minutes, but it's all good. It's just burnt coffee. It's lava. Right. Yeah. Orlando, thank you so much for taking the time to unpack coffee with us. Uh, of course, we got Bill here, uh, AJ here. Follow or Orlando on Instagram at Orlando Urania. And um, what's, the other, what's the other handle? Oh, uh, only underscore you that's for the barber stuff if you're interested in that yeah. but you know of course orlando yeah. Uran is going to be showing everything i love you talk about process and now it makes complete sense because whenever you're making your coffee in the morning and you document it like you see that process and you have a very sharp eye creatively so i love being able to see that so for those who are listening you're in for a real treat seeing how orlando talks about exactly what he spent over the past half hour so thank you again so much Peace, don't be a coffee snob. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Vices and Vultures and considering being a supporter of this project. Even leaving a review on your preferred podcast platform goes a long way for us. There is more information about this episode as well as who we are in the show notes. This includes all of our social media links so you can see us and not just hear us. Vices and Vultures is brought to you by Aesthetic, and is based in the great state of New York. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast for more episodes and tune in next time 
to vices and vultures.